the definition of success is is one of those things that also is very unique to everybody. Like not everybody has the same definition of success. Like when I was a kid, my definition of success was that I was going to have a retrospective of my work at the Guggenheim when I was 50 years old. That was my pinnacle. Now I'm almost 50 years old and I am not even close to having a retrospective with the Guggenheim. So got to lower my standards a little bit. That's, that's the point. Yes, I, I have the same. You know, for me, when I was like 13 or 14, when I decided to go the sculpture way, for me, the, the success was that, okay, in my 25, I will be living in New York and have exhibitions and be very famous. So I'm like 12 years after and still not there at all. <laughs> so. Well, but see, there's that interesting word, though, because you said famous. Like, so when you say famous, do you mean like, well-known in the art canon being written about or do you mean rich <laughs> yes that's the question i think both things because i was uh, like uh, you know i always wanted everything to be famous and rich and in with rich i mean to be able to earn money with it to be able to continue producing some art so that's that's all that's all my definition which is a very different one because, like, again, I come from America. And in yes. America, being rich means being decadent and having excess and all that. Whereas sort of in, in Europe and, and specifically in Czech Republic, it, it being rich just means not having to worry about money. Yes, we are a very poor country. <laughs> I was going to say, I say humble country. Yeah. I don't yes. know. Okay. You're, you're not a poor country. There are yes, lots yes. of rich people in the Czech Republic. In fact, it's not true. My husband have been reading some article about statistic, uh, how many really rich people is living in Czech Republic, like rich, rich people. There is only 50 families in Czech Republic. And there is then then there is like a huge gap and there is the middle class. It's nothing between. Are you sure it's a middle class? Maybe lower middle class? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because even in America, like our, our our middle class is going away. Like we we you know the the rich are becoming richer, the poor are becoming poorer, and that middle class is sort of getting washed away. And it, it, to a certain extent, it, it's true here. I mean, I know lots of lawyers and doctors. Well, not doctors, lawyers that do very well here. Hoteliers <laughs> did pre pandemic. They did very well. Tourist related things. Yeah, that's about it. And then and then tech corporations and 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 whoever owns Alza because they're yeah. great. <laughs> yes, it's and true. Now, and now Rolique, whoever owns that as well, is doing very yes. well. Yes, yes, yes. Rolique also and and Koshik. <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of Rolique myself and not Koshik, but you know it's a personal taste. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a little fan. <laughs> I'm old school. I'm going physically in shops. <laughs> Seriously. During yes. a pandemic, you go to shops. I have tried yes. my best to do everything in my power to do as much online shopping, which don't get me wrong, I hate online shopping. I love going to a store, touching something, being able to look at like, because like sometimes even if it's something in a jar, I'm like, that jar is prettier than this jar and I want that <laughs> one. And, and like when you do it online, you get whatever they like, just throw in the truck. Yes, and I, I cannot shop online because it would take me hours to read everything that is in the products. And when I'm in shop, it's very quickly for me. And online, I would be studying so much that it would take me like eight hours. And the second thing that is that we are used to go shopping with my husband. It's our way of couple therapy. Because, yes, it's, uh, you know, 
all the frustration and stress, it can open in little, <laughs> you know. It's like great that there is this uh, situation when you can let us react to each other temper and aggressivity and everything. So uh, we just uh, walk uh, away from each other and then calm down. And it's like, you know, it's uh, in a therapeutic language. It's, I think, called proxemic dance, like dancing around each other, full of anger to, to each other. And it's it has this definition. So it's for us, it's like this opportunity. And without going outside, we would kill each other during the, uh, during the pandemic. So uh, we have to go shopping physically. Yeah, no, we've taken up the habit of uh, not going shopping together. No, because mm. we need time apart, period. Like, so <laughs> I will go do my shopping. Yeah. She will go do her shopping because when she yeah. goes and does her shopping, I get to be in the apartment by myself. And that's mm. magnificent and vice versa. So that's our form of decompression that we do. Yes, we have other situation with my husband because he's a filmmaker and uh, assistant of camera. So he leaves like uh, for a few days and I'm uh, all time alone. And I love it. Absolutely. Like you. Oh, I wish my wife would do that. No, my wife is she works a nine to five job. So like the most I could get her out is eight hours if I'm lucky. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> Well, mm. poor her as well. She has to tolerate me because I rarely leave as well. I mean, other than <laughs> shopping or going to the studio. So I, I only leave like four hour stretches at a time as well. So it goes yeah. both ways. I, and, you know, I'm not sitting here criticizing her or her lifestyle. So because I'm just <laughs> as bad. But, yeah. but you seem very, uh, you know, self-reflected. Uh, yeah, but that's not always good. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's a bit much but there's also you know cultural differences as well like the certain you know americanisms versus czechisms and things like this because my wife is czech i know i know i have read it petra her name is petra i know <laughs> <laughs> wow she's just gonna hate that people know that but okay yeah <laughs> we will not tell her <laughs> yeah i try not to let to, I, I don't encourage her to listen to these podcasts because <laughs> she will not be happy but um, yes, uh, yeah, it's it's hard. It has its difficulties, but I, I don't really chalk it up to anything unique. I, I believe that everything is, uh, you know, it's just a man and a woman trying to share a space or a woman and a woman or a man and a man. It doesn't matter. Anybody yes, yes. trying to like cohabitate and be happy <laughs> or at least tolerant for long periods of time is uh, so difficult. Like, I mean, my God, it just... It is, but but you are American. You you are supposed to be able to visit therapy, couple therapy. I love therapy. Me I too. use therapy. Me too. Me too. Except uh, my, you know. my wife is Czech and she does not believe in therapy. I, yikes. <laughs> You know, I uh, used the uh, first year of uh, my relationship, relationship with my husband to, uh, when he was really deep in love with me, you know, the, the first year when he was uh, excited. So I was like, okay, I really need you to go with me to therapy because I'm already six years of being a therapy client. So I'm a bit far more be before you like and i need you to to be able to keep the tempo or the the you know 
with me. So uh, yeah, with he, the growth he, and the change. That yes, you're going yes, through. yes, 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 absolutely. And thanks God, he agreed. And uh, after eight years uh, together and seven years in therapy, like not not every week, but we have you know these phases, and it's and he's happy. He's really happy, and uh, he's able to say, okay, without therapy, I wouldn't be here. Like not here, like like living, but here in this phase. So above it, uh, and uh, he really loves it, and he's enjoying it. I'm all for therapy. My wife works for a company and her company offers free therapy for their employees. Really? Yeah. And my wife refuses to use it. So I'm using the hell out of it <laughs> so like, because I'm a fa <laughs> family member of an employee. So like, yeah, yeah. I get her free therapy and she doesn't. And she still is like, what do you talk about in therapy? And I'm like, I talk about you. You yes, talk exactly. about all like annoyances all and everything yes, I cannot yes, say yes, to yes. your face. <laughs> I, I'm totally kidding. I don't. I talk about lots of things, but I mean, yeah. but it, it's it, to me therapy is amazing because it's one of those things like there's I, it's it's like the old days that you talk about the third place. Like so, you've yeah. got your home, you got your work, and then you need a third place. In the same way, I think there's a third need for a third persons or third people so you got your loved ones in your family you got your friends and then sometimes you want to talk to somebody that has no relationship to your friends or yeah. your family and just bitch and moan and vent and decompress about all the stupidity that goes on in your life in your interpersonal relationships or your positive things but that's for me rarer i use it as more of a decompression for stupidity so that's what i use it for me too. Me too. Absolutely. I, I have the same reasons you have for using therapy. And I am I think I'm a bit addicted. I, I take it as a, a really important part of my life. I don't want to live without it. You know, it's, it's much more, so much more easier for me because, you know, I'm a very sensitive person, artist, you know. So uh, for me, it's really difficult to, to you know, handle things, normal things, just really normal things like living in this world and living with normal people like who are always, always tr uh, trying to tell you, you are not supposed to be so sensitive. You are not supposed to be open and all these things we are. You know, so and usually uh, only the therapist is the person who say saying me, but it's okay. You are like this, and he's able to work with me on all of these topics. You know, decompression, like you called it. My therapist tells me that I'm not sensitive enough, and then my wife tells me that I'm too sensitive. So I'm not sure where. I'm really? Doing yeah, I'm doing something wrong somewhere. I don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I feel like my therapist should see my sensitive side and my wife maybe should see less of it so that she quits complaining that I'm too sensitive. I, I don't know. But maybe it keeps you in the balance. I, I strive two. for balance. That's sort of the, the mantra in my life is striving for balance. But boy, I, I'm not anywhere close. <laughs> <laughs> On a regular basis, I should say, I'm not anywhere close, but but it is always my attempt to, to have some balance. Sure, me too. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, of, I, I'm always thinking about this topic uh, of being balanced and, uh, you know, I have this problem with, uh, I, I think I'm a kind of workaholic. Previously, I really understood that it's a part of mine and I'm probably not able to change it. It's something that uh, it's like breathing for me to work always and because I'm enjoying it. So like this. 
it's very different to most people like most people in the world they think of their job as a thing that more or less they do for money and that's it and then like when they leave their job they're just like okay whatever i'm done with that and they now go on to their friends their family and whatever they do for joy and happiness but like creative people we have chosen a life where those are combined together so like i want my daily life to be happy and joyous and interesting and and spontaneous and whatever and yeah. and a lot and, and the, the, the those people like i could, don't understand why somebody would do a job just for money <laughs> so like <laughs> I don't get them. Like, to me, that is just, like, the most horrible thing I could ever imagine. Yes. Even though maybe I don't make as much money as I could had I gone down that road, I enjoy every day a little bit more than those people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I would die in in these positions. You know, I I would just consider it, like, uh, living, dying, you know. I had this great story like when I was a I was a roadie I toured around with rock and roll bands and one yes. night we were party I, it's a long long sorted story but I was in drag and I looked like Jesus I had a long beard and long hair and I was wearing this beautiful <laughs> like like low cut uh spandex dress thing and my chest hair was coming out it was very lovely but we'd been party- <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> oh it was stunning and we'd been partying all night cocaine voyeuristic uh, exhibitionist sex everywhere i mean like crazy all night party yeah. until like six in the morning come out six six in the morning and we're all coked up sitting on the front steps and, and we see all these people in washington dc walking by wearing suits and their briefcases and they're just like zombies just like oh, going to their jobs and we all just we're like look at our life and look at their life <laughs> like i love my life like I so much want to have a great life that has great stories and great experiences. I do not want to be that person that dreads going to work. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think we all, as artists or people from arts, feel the same. And I think that just, you know, keeping this direction is success for me. If we could, you know, consider the the main topic of our interview. Because I'm, you know, for me, I was... For a very short time, uh, my question for you is: Why did you choose me? Why did you ask me to to make the interview? Why did you think that I'm successful? <laughs> to be blunt, uh, I'm not going to sit here and go, "Oh, I thought you were successful." I'm not necessarily oh, always getting. Yeah, I'm not always. Well, but I'm not always choosing successful people as the the guests because. I, okay. because I'm choosing different people because like the different levels and the different perspectives on the arts world. Like the reason why I chose you would be because of your provocativeness, let's call it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. That's that's the word I'm going to put to it. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, anybody who puts Hitler on a penis, I'm all for it. Thank you. Me too, me too, uh, because I really need fun and at least some subjects in art. But uh, what uh, I don't like about most of the contemporary art is that it's like meaningless. There is nothing in it. It's just form for me. I'm sorry to be so uh, honest, but I'm really starving for some really good art. that It makes you really uh, laugh, go deeper and enjoying the form. These, these three things, I need to be in the piece 
And uh, most of the time, uh, of course, I don't visit galleries. I just visit Instagram, but <laughs> still on the Instagram when you, you are trying to like plan all, all the things. I, wait, I've got to ask, how does yes. Instagram relate to your, like, not relate to, but like, how do they appreciate or block your potential, like, penis vulva They imagery? don't. They don't. They ignore me. Thanks oh. God. But to be honest, I have like uh, 26 uh, posts on in my account, on my Instagram account, because currently I'm not working on any art. I was working the 2020 whole year because, okay. Here is my situation. I was uh, like, when when I finished the school, so I was 25. I was just, you know, uh, married to one guy. I was with him like for nine years. So he was uh, supporting me with my production of art. And I was this kind of dependent artist on my husband. You know, it's very typical situation. A lot of artists chooses this way and it wasn't working for me. I was very unhappy because I felt like, okay, if I will be more longer depending on this guy, I will never, never be free and I will never be adult and so on. So I divorced, needed to start to earn money somehow. So long story short, I have my uh, drawing classes where I, I have like uh, 30 people. I teach classical drawing because it seemed me the most easiest way how um, what to learn and how to earn money, you know. So, uh, and I'm really good at it. So for me, it's really good source of money and I'm enjoying it, uh, enjoying the contact with the people because after the years when you are, uh, you know, clo just closed in your studio, you are going to be nuts from it. It's it's really making you crazy because you are all time just producing art, focusing on how to be, you know, more famous, more rich and so on. And nothing from these things isn't happening in Czech Republic and not and also not in worldwide. So and not to me. <laughs> this is the most important thing for me. It was like okay, the part of the therapy to be able to uh, earn money and live some social life and so on. So so around my thirties, uh, I was like in this okay. I'm uh, having this uh, drawing classes, uh, earning good money, but I wanted uh, you know some some. How to say it? something uh, to 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 be sure that it's working because all the time from the beginning it's okay you you need to all the time make Instagram posts Facebook posts and everything and it's like it's it's making you crazy because it's changing so quickly it's like each six months you need to learn new strategies and it's like oh my god stop please yes so my idea was okay okay sure I have to write some fucking blogs uh, about how to you know just uh, stick the pen and how to draw this line and so on so I decided okay I will write a, a book a big book about my method of uh, how to how to draw how to learn to draw you know so I started I thought it will be like a two or three years project not at all. I'm going to be 37 and it's not finished. So that's my situation. And during the seven years, it was like waves of crisis about if I shouldn't stop to writing it and just go to uh, make some, uh, some art. And uh, as 
as so I did. So it was like two years writing, two years art, two years writing, two years art. So here I am and uh, I'm almost finishing the stuff. And of course, it's not going to be book because we are in COVID situation. Everything is fucking online. So I'm producing online classes and it's going to be huge. It's really going going to be huge. It's like like from uh, zero point to maximum, but it's one woman show. So it's like taking all my time to produce it. To, to shoot the videos and write storyboards and everything. And I think that um, one more year of work, which I'm telling myself like for five years, <laughs> only more one more year, but I'm going to finish it one day. And then I hopefully come back to my studio and will be able to continue. And I have, you know, like plenty of great ideas, provocative ideas, beautiful ideas. And I'm really looking forward to continue, but I need to create, stable base for generating money that's that's the plan you know because uh i found out that uh, it's impossible to make all the art just by myself especially sculptures you, you know i can you can paint you can draw but sculptures it's fucking complicated it's it's like taking all the time all the time it's it takes so much time you know to to sculpt it to to mold it and pour it into bronze and money and and so i i need some assistant to help me and i need to uh, be able to pay the assistant so this this is my project i'm working on to be able at my 40s maybe come back into studio and to continue on some great art so this is uh, my uh, my vision. Let's see how it will work. Well, I mean, it's the most, you know, eternal story that we all have, which is like we want to be doing our creative thing, but we always have to find a way to make a stable income. And, yes. then, and then a lot of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but a lot of us want to find a way to make a stable income from some sort of creative endeavor that we enjoy or appreciate or something like this. So... You know, you trying to come up with a a way to do that, you know, teaching your skills yeah. to other people is, you know, the same thing as like what I do. I'm a professor. Yeah. So like, there you go. It's the same basic idea. Difference is I do it for yeah. somebody else. You're doing it for yourself. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure which is better. I'm just going to let that one slide. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. <laughs> I know. I mean, in the, on the one hand, like you'll be earning all the money yourself. But on the other hand, you have all the obli- all the sort of everything all by yourself so like there's a certain amount of like things one of the things that i find difficult is the lack of networking that i didn't do in my life that i think is incredibly important in the arts industry that I, that i did so badly which is really shocking because i was excellent at it as a kid and then s- somehow i lost that skill and i think i'm getting better at it again now but i'm not sure I think you are good at it. You, you know, you make the impress on me. Like the, you are the person that, that is really able, but maybe it's because we have uh, the same, you know, blood type, uh, so, so call it. I'm terrible in networking, terrible because uh, it's because I'm probably maybe so open and so quick with, uh, you know, I am not a good player with these things. I'm not good at having poker face and this, this, this stuff, like the strategy, how to sell it to the right people. I'm not really good at it. And I always thought that it's a role of, for gallerists or, or, but there are no gallerists, like not, no, no, no more. 
Well, see, you you brought up a word that I, I I'm always thinking like strategy. Like there is no like there was a strategy. There was a time when the the yes. the, the it was sort of like. You go into your studio, you make your thing, you hand it off to a curator or a gallerist, and they do the rest. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. These times are over. Oh, far, far, far over. Far, and, far, far. It's like 70s or something. <laughs> well, but see, that's what's funny is because, like, okay, and I've, I've said this before, but when I was in school, so I was in art schools in the mid-90s to early 2000s, and... I was being taught by my professors. Now, those professors, they were professors. They weren't actually in the art world, right, doing art. So they were only telling me what they were taught 30 years before that about how the art world works. So really, the the knowledge I learned was like 50 years old. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And And that's part of why, like, I'm making this podcast is because I'm a professor and I realize that, like, the stuff I'm telling people is now 30 years old when I'm talking to my students. And I'm like, wait a minute. I am so far out of touch. I have got to figure out how it's working now if I'm going to try and actually be helpful to students these days. Yes. And what did you find? Found, found, found out? <sighs> My primary things that I found out is, is that, like, as far as sort of relating to my own career and mistakes that I made that I would recommend to other people, find a home base, so a place, so, and, and, and travel from there and all that but stay there like because i made the mistake of leaving i i grew up in washington dc i went to school in iowa north carolina san francisco i now have been to the ohio and then the middle east and now i'm in prague and every time i moved i lost all of the network that i built yes yes so that's the big one and then the second one is be good at not like networking, but like, for instance, when I went to grad school, I I went there with the intention to teach. That was what I wanted to do. My, my mm-hmm. career goal was I wanted to be a professor at a university, which I now am. So like, that's exciting. But I went there with that goal. And so like, I was like, I don't give a shit about making friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to get my fucking degree so I can get my job that I want. Yeah. And that was a huge mistake because the point of going to school is to make those connections and make those friends and make that peer group and that critique group and that whatever. And I fucked that so royally. Me (laughs) too. (laughs) Me too. Uh, I have it very similar. Okay. I I had friends, but you know, not all of them uh, are artists anymore. That's the thing, you know, (laughs) And about the first point, I still think the same as you, that it's it's great to stay where you are and just travel because it's stable. You need for, uh, as an artist, you need to have a stable place where you create the art and you can travel and make make exhibitions and, um, but still you need to be stable. Well, especially these days. I mean, there was a time in the past where... If you were an artist, let's say in the Czech Republic, uh, you could only get to maybe Germany and Poland and like there weren't many opportunities farther away. But these days, fucking FedEx, shipping containers, like you could you could do the shit all over the world. There is no reason to be able to say, oh, I have to be living there in order to be able to participate. No, no, no. You can live wherever you want to live and just ship it there. Just Yes, exactly. I think so. Exactly the same thing as you. And thank you very much for telling me this.
because uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I was telling you a mistake that I made, so like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so like this, okay. Yeah, there's no reason to be anywhere. I mean, the the farther the pandemic's going, and the more things are going online and stuff, I'm sort of like fuck, why am I not living on the beach or in the mountains? Like, why do I even give a shit about living in a city? I mean, you can get everything delivered to you. Yes. I mean, yeah, for, for price and all that, but still, like, I mean, why suffer through living somewhere you don't love to live and experiences you don't enjoy to do if you can go somewhere else? Fucking go somewhere else. But still like building those networks having that community having that foundation is one of those things that like i mm. made a huge mistake on uh and and keeping in touch with people like it's god everybody keeps telling me like oh you've got this this great podcast you should create an e-newsletter and i'm like i hate receiving e-newsletters <laughs> like i don't I, I, I have the same uh, on feeling based online strategy as you i hate just receiving newsletters so i uh, i don't make them either yeah. because yeah. it's uh, you know just going directly into spam <laughs> i'm 100 I, i totally understand how they work for many sure. companies sure. and many artists and but, many people but, mm, i think that for artists you know i'm now i'm not like really working on my strategy as an artist but uh, i'm thinking about it all the time what i'm going to do when i start uh, like working again And I think that nowadays you just really need to have a good Instagram and a good Instagram just only about what do you think? Why, why, do, why don't you think it's, it's not, it's not the, one of the main most important things for artists? Tell me, because I'm, I'm really curious. I'm not top of burn about my strategy or ideas. Not, not at all. You know, I'm just brainstorming it, you know, and I, I, I still think that where else is the art market happening? She's reacting to my facial expressions that nobody can see. So, I, so <laughs> like my disdain of her, like her the idea that like, oh, you have to make a good social media profile. Like mm. it, it, uh, it's painful to, it, to say that. I mean, because there's, there's a, a bunch of different elements that go into that because Instagram, let's just, let's focus on Instagram. Instagram is a curated lifestyle. And within that curated lifestyle, it's also based on the quality of the images. So like, that doesn't mean your artistic ideas are good. That doesn't mean your artwork is necessarily a very high merit. It means that you can take beautiful photos of your things. Mm. That's it. Because there's no, like, how many how many times have you gone to an Instagram account and gone, oh my God, I love the concept behind that. Um, no, you're like, hey, that's pretty. <laughs> I like it. And then you hit like. So No, no, no. I'm, maybe I'm a different user, different kind of user. Because usually I, I'm just, you know, scrolling through the beautiful images and I'm just seeing the emptiness. And when I see something that is really conceptually good, I can see it. I can recognize it. And then, you know, but it's so, there is not so much things in Instagram of this kind. So, um, <laughs> well, but, that, but that's the thing is like people within the industry, we can recognize that, but the, inst but Instagram is not for us. It's not for us. It's not about us. It's, it's about half naked mm -hmm. slash naked people 
and mm, celebrities. Yeah. It's, it's not true. about mm. uh, you know artistic concepts and all this. So it's really hard to get through that. I mean, uh, do I believe an in, a, a strong Instagram account is useful? Yes. Useful. Yes, it's it's useful. Yes, not the main thing. It's useful. yeah, but, it's, you are, you but yeah, right. that's the thing. Is like I I don't think it's like I don't I don't want to encourage the next generation to focus too much attention and time on that. Okay, I understand and agree, but really, just the the question in the discussion is where the art market is market is happening. Where is it happening? Where? It is exactly the same place it's always been happening, which is handshakes. It's still a, 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 the entire industry is about relationships. Period. Mm, okay. Like no okay. matter what you do, I mean, I I I've had ex- instances where people have contacted me like, oh my gosh, I love this work, and and I write back to them, and and then it's just sort of peters off, and they don't buy anything. Whereas then I have an exhibition, and I meet somebody, and we get to mm-hmm. talking, and I tell them stories about this mm-hmm. and that, and why this, and you know my life story, whatever, and they buy it. Mm-hmm. So. It's still about relationships in the end. I mean, yes, you can absolutely do a certain amount of business and 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 whatever you need to be doing through social media, Instagram, even your website. But to grow, like to get collectors, to get curators, to get institutional exhibitions, these kinds of things take handshakes. Because in the end, the one here's another thing that I learned, which I think speaks more poorly of me than anything else, but but it's it's that in the end, no matter how good your art is, people want to enjoy working with you. Okay. So like if you're a little arrogant shit the way I was at a certain time in my life, then <laughs> it didn't matter if I made amazing work. It's they didn't want to work with me. Hmm. Mm. I'm thinking about uh, other examples from art industry uh, about all the artists that are selling art and are arrogant. So maybe it's I'm not sure if this point of view is really uh, well. There's know, a fine line between self-confidence and arrogance. This is not argument for me. The right argument. No, sorry, 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 sorry. I, I don't mean it uh, like badly. I I'm think that self-confident uh, person. I can recognize it, and I can recognize that some some of them are really like arrogant assholes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And I was at a certain time in my life. I hope that I've passed that, but uh, maybe I still am. Who knows? I think it's good to be just a little bit, you know, like. I think it's necessary to be a little bit, or else we're fucking crazy to continue to do this our entire lives. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But but still, still, how 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 do you see the role of galleries? You know, because my ex, uh, experience with galleries and galleries in Czech Republic isn't really good. Because uh, I, but I, I can understand why. You know, uh, I can understand why they are doing their job the way they are doing it, and I don't think that every every time they are choosing right like a really good art for them. No, and for me, the it's not the merit of the things that they would be able to cons, you know, recognize the quality of your art, and maybe it's uh, like you said before. Okay, it's supposed to be uh, for them uh, like good relationship with you and uh, good to be work with. But 
I think I am. I am, you know, very responsible, very open, you know, and everything creative person. I think I'm the best to work with, to collaborate with, but nobody wants to collaborate with me. So where is the problem? <laughs> it was told to me also by another guest, well, many guests, actually. The, the relationship yeah. between an artist and a gallerist is like dating. And so, like, even if your work is magnificent for yeah. a particular gallery, yeah, if that relationship between you and them isn't sort of like sparking that amazing joy and like yeah. happiness and 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 thrill of a relationship, then that's it. it and it's totally mm. personal things. Like, I mm. know some of the galleries that you have exhibited in. And really? I totally understand why you don't get along with some of those gallerists. Okay. <laughs> when we stop re recording, you will tell me which ones. <laughs> Finding a gallerist is that eternal sort of like a relationship kind of thing. It's a really hard thing. I, I know lots yeah. of artists that don't ever have galleries. And on the other hand, I know lots of artists that have dozens of galleries. I mean... Mm. You know, I mean, given now your works, like let's swing a little bit towards that way. Your sure, work sure, sure. is, you use the word controversial. I'm not sure I would say controversial, but you're definitely a protagonist. You're definitely even an antagonist. <laughs> like you, you are really sort of putting a fine line on things. I mean, you do like dildos with, or are they dildos with Hitler and Moose and what is it, Stalin and Mao? Stalin and Mao. Yeah. But are they dildos or are they penises? Because to me, there's somehow that's a difference. They are dildos. Yeah, that's what I sort of assumed since they had no ball sack with them. So I sort of went with dildos. But yeah, but I mean, you're, I mean, you're doing like, you know, you're the, 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 the phrases that I popped in my head were like, you're, you're messing with innocence, sex and power. Those are the yes. three things that I'm like, you are really fucking with how they work together or work in opposition to each other. And I totally understand why people might have difficulty. Like as much as I love like the teddy bear with the human penis, I don't believe that's suitable for my home. <laughs> I understand you. It's okay. It's suitable for my home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do not believe my wife would be accepting of that in the home and, and our future child I should I don't think would be right for that but yeah I mean you, you really think so I think because you know the idea of the, the teddy bear with the human piece, penis I remember when I was small and uh, you know it's it's typical Freud you are uh, you know experiencing yourself yourself sexually as a child and it's normal and I remember all always playing with my toys the sexual games they were playing between them I and I think it's really normal and it's uh, in psychology it's called like you used to use it uh, the third place where you can replay all the stuffs that are inside you and you are also you know experiencing experiencing it from around you from the adults all the subjects and you are just playing it through the toys and that's all that's it first time i ever get like a male and a female toy of any sort it's always like make him have sex like that's what yes, or make him yes, kiss exactly, or whatever like exactly, you always do exactly. that Yes, always. Uh, and uh, I apologize yes. for for same sex couples. It sh I should have said that in the way. Anytime I get two toys, 
regardless of their genders, I make them make out or have sex. Like, so it's not so just you don't, opposite. You don't have to be so American about this stuff. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm heterosexual. So to me, it was always like a male and a female toy and make them have sex. There you go. It's all great. I, I, I used to have some, uh, you know, uh, confusions about uh, about my gender, uh, not identity, but about my uh, sexual preferences. So uh, I'm okay about it. Uh, at, at the end, I question that at some point. I, mean, I like... think so. I think so, and it's very common for uh, for women to also try it, and it's very common. I, I don't. I don't know. I tried uh, it. The... I'm good with you know. I tried Me it. Too. I realized yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> 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 That's it. And, and maybe it was him. Maybe it was the situation, maybe it was the time period in my life, whatever. Maybe it was the fact that he ended up stalking me for years. I mean, there are lots of different reasons, but like it yes. didn't work for me. For me neither. I don't I don't like the, the smell of women. <laughs> you know, and it's always about the smell. <laughs> there can be really good relationship, but the sex doesn't work for me with women. That's it. And at least I I try. Uh, I try it and I know it. Yeah, that's right. Like I, my general philosophy in life is always, I will try anything once, and if I don't like it, I won't do it twice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, but I'll try it once. You know, give me a drug, give me a sex act, whatever. I'll yeah. I'll try it once, and if it doesn't work, do whatever I need from it. Then I just don't do it again. There. Yes. Sure. And and of course that translates to art as well. So like I'll try any technique or idea or concept once, and if it's not sort of fulfilling in whatever reason like i constantly am t testing out materials and trying new this like i go to art stores and i'm always like oh what is that and i buy it and then i take it home and i'm like oh yeah no that's totally wrong <laughs> it's like i've got like shelves upon shelves of materials that i've bought that i like only used like a little bit because i'm like no, that doesn't work. But I end up using them usually later, like because I I have shelves and shelves of materials that I tested, and then like three years later, I'll be like, oh, you know, what would be great on this new thing I'm trying now is this thing that I tested three years ago. And, yes, yes, and I yes. go back to it. So like, yeah, I love materials and playing with like the different stuff, and you seem to as well because you're using like bronzes and marbles and hair yeah. and stuff. Yes taxidermy and all kinds of very unique materials yes yes i'm enjoying it you know uh, for me uh, the idea is what is telling you what to use uh, as a material i'm this kind of conceptual sensitive person and or artist in this uh, you know because if you the, the way you change the material the way you change the medium it's what you know makes uh, the idea great or not not great well, I mean, if you had done the bronze teddy bear with a human penis on it in real fur and potentially like some sort of skin proxy kind of thing, I, I uh, would I would feel very uncomfortable with that piece. But in me, bronze, me too, me too. it's somehow like, oh, yes, that's that's got a reverence to it and a permanence about it that seems a little bit more. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's got a little more gravitas behind it, but you know, like yes. the 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 Hitler Mao Stalin dildos. Like if those were actually made in the same material as dildos, I would be like, oh, that's kind of a fun little toy. You know, like it would feel like a a bachelorette thing almost. <laughs> thing. Yes, like, yes, but yes. You, exactly. But you did it in bronze, and that that choice of that material has sort of been like, oh, oh no, this is a serious statement. It's in bronze. Yes, exactly. And 
bronze is eternal. You know, that's that's the that's the meaning. It's almost the same strong meaning uh, when uh, as when you use some stone like marble and so on. It's it's supposed to stay here for ages and to be a statement. And that's that's the opposite to the idea that together working it it really makes uh, the the strength of uh, of the piece art. Okay, but so now, have you had any successes with being able to sell some of these more? I'm yes. specifically thinking the provocative style of imagery. Yes, yes, I did. The, for example, the heart with vagina. I, I feel it. The, it's it's called. I feel it. It's sold. In sculpture, you can uh, have like uh, from five to ten pieces of of each considered as original. So uh, heart is uh, uh, like uh, sold. The teddy bear is uh, not sold, but uh, there are still some some remaining. But uh, uh, some of them are sold, like some some pieces. And uh, also with dictators, I would I would have to open my portfolio because I'm not good at remembering all the details. But yes, some some of my art was sold like regularly. Oddly, the vagina on the heart, I totally understand why that's sold. Like that makes sense to me. Like that that. I can see a lot of people relating to that easily. Yeah, Di uh, the I, dictators I, on the dicks, meh. Yeah, the the teddy bears. I mean, again, like it's you know, it's got something. Like you really have, like also, the, you have the one piece. Hold on, wait, I want to find the title of the piece. The skin. Yes, like, I love it. <laughs> Nobody really, understands it. I I understand it. I think, but like, boy, you really. What is it with teddy bears? Why are you so mean to teddy bears? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the the skin, you know, this piece is very very easy to understand. It, it's um, together. I think in my portfolio with a, a, a short uh, video art when I'm feeding the teddy bear. I, I guess I I hope it's on my website. I'm not sure now, but it was uh, exhibited together. And no, no, it's not. I'm. I was always thinking to put it, put it there, but maybe it's on the blog from the rep, the report from the exhibition. There is exhibited together, and uh, together it works much more stronger because that's the that's the idea. As uh, you as a child, you know, you are projecting or all the fantasies into teddy bears, and you are feeding them. You know, you you as a child, you believe that when you are feeding the toys they are eating actually and the end of the childhood and uh, the ritual of being adult and you know it's uh, about to being able to kill the teddy bear and so you kill it and you just put the skin on the wall or on the floor that's the that's the ritual <laughs> Okay, the reason. I, I've got to know I, I'm so what um what was your childhood like <laughs> Very lonely. <laughs> you know, yes, I, my childhood was, I think, nice and hard. hard because I was just, you know, living with my mother. Uh, she is a nurse. So I basically was raised in a hospital among adults and among uh, ill and dying people. Uh, I think, and uh, always I was very talented and clever child and uh, felt lonely because my mother was uh, like in those days it wasn't normal that she was 40 when she <laughs> met me so i was you know really among old people raised so i consider this uh, as um, a thing that really had impact on me 
uh, huge impact. I was I wasn't very well with people of my age. I wasn't able to speak with them normally, like about normal topics. You know, I was uh, always speaking with them uh, about the adult topics. So I wasn't a typical child. But I, I think I, I, I really love to think about uh, the hospital, about all the doctors and nurses. I really loved it. <laughs> and that's all. Well, a lot of your work actually makes a whole lot more sense now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just the fact of knowing that actually makes it like, oh, okay. So you're you're not aff- affect affected in the same way that probably the average person is affected yeah. by like seeing physical anatomy and seeing death and seeing these kind of things because these were things that you experienced as a youth. Like, totally yeah. makes much more sense now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I think that's it because uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, really used to listen about um, dying people and, you know, liquids, fluids from your body <laughs> just during the dinner. And my mother really wasn't really good at it. She was uh, like uh, wearing the work home, like, uh, <laughs> and I was the only person who could listen to her. So uh, I it went, it went all through me. <laughs> I have the greatest story for that. A friend of mine in high school's father is an anesthesiologist. And we we sat down to dinner one night. So it was my friend and his, I think his brother and and his parents and then me. I was just sort of the guest. And the father sits down as an anesthesiologist and his wife goes, so how was work today? And he goes... Oh, we had a really tough time. This this lady was on the surgical table and she'd had so much anal sex that she had ripped her <laughs> anus wide oh, open. Yes, and he yes, went yes. into like graphic detail about all yes. of the and his way. Yes, yes. And I'm just sitting there like, what? That's my life. Yes, this is my normal life. Yes. Yes, this this for me it's normal. I, I and uh, yes, that's the thing. So I I I really can feel the like physiology part of living. You know, it's it's. Yeah, no, that shocked me. Shocked that's, me and and then the second the sec- second thing uh, about the sexuality is that my mother was always very open to talk about it. So for me, it, and it was it was like uh, open nineties in Czech Republic. You can't imagine it was like a residue of the previous uh, regime and. I, I think that the older generation, my mother is now going to be 75, but older generation are really lift the sexual topics uh, in a different way than we live it nowadays. Nowadays, we are always thinking about it uh, in the romantic way, uh, the two person just together. No, not that it wouldn't be happening, like all the stuff with it, with, uh, you know, parallel partners and so on. But I think that uh, in those times, it was like a common thing that all the nurses slept with the doctors, with the patients. And this this, this where I was raised in, among this, among these topics that I was seeing it. And I, it was full of dying, sex, blood. And this, I, I think that it, it, it's really the, the thing with me. All right. I, I, I was fine with nurses and doctors sleeping together, but you're saying they have sex with patients? Sure. 
Okay, yeah, that's that that shit would never go on in the US. I mean, maybe it did at the time, but it would never But it was it now. was, you know, it it was from both sides. It wasn't that they were abusing them. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like comatose <laughs> patients or something. No, like no, 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 okay. no, no. It was just, you know, consensual. Yes, consensual. Okay. It, it wasn't it, was, it wasn't like the palliative care. It was like normal hospital. <laughs> You can calm down. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Ah, I mean, I don't blush often, but boy, that that set me off there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right, the, another thing that I wonder about is like, okay, and I'm going to be slightly critical in this way, but like the sure. a lot of regional places. So like, I'm going to use the Czech Republic as an example in this case. So a mm-hmm. lot of regional places are very nationalistic. So like. Germans love German art, Czechs love Czech art, you know, Vienna, mm. like Austrians love Austrian artists and artists, and, and, and Americans love American artists kind of thing. So, like, it's it's a very regional thing. So, like, I find it that a lot of the Czech artists have a difficult time getting their work outside of the Czech Republic. It's have true. you found that to be a problem? It depends uh, on which level of uh, sharing with uh, outside world uh, world we would think about it because if i put something online i usually um, people get it around the world absolutely no problem they understand it uh, in greece in italy in in france in america everywhere i usually get the feedback all around the world and it's considered uh, like okay we understand it it's provocative and we we somehow feel the the meaning the 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 deepness of the of your art and everything works perfectly but uh, about uh, you know here it's it's not so easy people here are more conservative than i thought because you know, for, I, I I just thought from my experience that people <laughs> would be more open in my country, and they are not. And the second thing is that in Czech Republic uh, here is a huge gap uh, about uh, you know there is this disconnection with contemporary art. People here are not visiting galleries to consume contemporary art, and it's because uh, of the school system, I guess probably because they are in the basic school. They are there maybe until the fourth grade but uh, from the fifth grade they are not visiting galleries not talking about art why art is as it is and there is no history of art in elementary or or basic school not even in high schools it doesn't exist so uh, people usually understand literature understand to the theater and to to, of course to, to to movies but not to the contemporary art it's not normal thing in czech republic so that's the reason why all of us from Czech Republic are trying to get abroad uh, with our art because we feel that they, uh, the normal people will understand that, that, that they will be interested at least at us. So this is the thing because here's not so many people is interested in contemporary art. And it's frustrating because when you are not being viewed and you are not selling uh, your art, it's like, okay, well, why, I, why am I doing this? So that's, that's the feeling for most of us. And of course, there are some, some artists that are selling and are selling uh, regu- on a regular basis. And uh, they are good at like earning uh, living with that. But uh, it's like 100. And uh, consider there is like, I don't know, 5,000, uh, 10,000 contemporary artists here. Yeah, I find that like in a lot of Europe and so I'm not going to make this about the Czech Republic but a lot of Europe like there's this very large stigma against 
artists that sell on a regular basis. For some reason, they think that maybe they're not as sort of as evolved or as, as sort of whatever, like in some way, like that they've sold out to the man kind of thing instead of are, are really sort of staying true to their creative endeavors. And it, it's a really hard balance. Like, I mean, even in America, we have the same problem. Like it's, you know, do you, to a certain extent, like do you pander to the potential of being able to sell easily or do you stay true to your vision and not sell yes it's like this like i think every everybody has this uh, dilemma it's, it's normal and for some of us uh, it's not a dilemma it's just uh, the reality that uh, you are not selling so we are continuing <laughs> in the true way <laughs> oh. It's hard because I mean a lot of it is is partly like I think trying to find the right market because like mm -hmm. when I was living in America everybody said oh your work would do really well in Europe and so now I'm in Europe and everybody's like oh you're so American yeah yeah <laughs> fuck you all like I can't <laughs> win either yes. way everybody's telling me like you with your art in New York <laughs> where could where could you be. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Yeah, the BDSM community would probably like love your work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, it's just that struggle, that, that continual struggle of like trying to find the, the right place yeah. as much as it is the right gallery and the right everything else. Because like a great gallery in, I don't know, and I apologize for you know, like Estonia, even if they're a great gallery is only going to do you so good, but like a great gallery, like a mediocre gallery in New York would be exponentially better kind of thing. So yeah, it's, sure, sure. it's a, it's a tough thing because like not every collector is looking everywhere. So like, you know, social media, like, so going back to that, like you might post shit on social media, but like if a collector is not like intentionally sitting there going, I'm really looking for a dildo with Hitler's head on it. Like yes, they're not going to find sure. your work. I'm sure, sorry, yeah. I keep going back to that one. Sure, it's okay. It's okay. It, it, it's uh, on it's my okay. screen. It's the biggest image on my screen. Really, it's nice. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'm. I think that uh, it's not only social media. There is a lot of platforms, uh, like web platforms, where, where you can try to sell your art. I'm not using them yet. And so I don't know if they are working. <laughs> so I cannot tell you if it's good or bad. Uh, I still think that if we go deeper into the meaning of why do we, like, not only we as artists make art, but we as, uh, you know, viewers consume the art. What is it? It's a, a social ritual. That's what is it about. And this is the reason where I agree with you that it's, probably why it's working better offline than online, you know, because we want to connect with the artist. And I think that today artist uh, is uh, something like shaman. I, I don't know how you say sham, shaman. Uh, like shaman, yeah. Shaman, perfect. Like, like contemporary shaman, you know, you are here, you have the talent to get the things through you outside. And even though you are telling just the normal thing, they think you are telling something special than that you understand something behind or beyond that average reality. And so they are, uh, they want to talk with you about 
the subject that is in the art and then they feel good that they went through the connecting through the co- connection with the artist and the art and it's it's like social ritual that is very important it's so funny you say that because like i remember a time when i was at a, an art opening and my artwork was on display and somebody wanted to talk to me about my art and i was just like no I'm happy to talk to you, like I like, because like you you go through all this effort, like you produce this visual thing that expresses this idea, then you write an artist statement, then you title the yeah. piece, then you do all, and, and like you you have spelled out as much as you could possibly think, and if they don't get it, they're not gonna get it anymore if I talk with them, and like I was just like, I I don't want to talk about it. Like I've already given you everything I could possibly give you. And I put like months of effort into making the work, thinking about the work, writing about the work, doing all the work. And and if you don't get it already, I'm not going to be able to say anything to convince you. Now, in hindsight, obviously they were trying to get something. They were trying to make some connection with me and I completely just screwed the pooch on that one. So, yeah. That's it. I know. Yes. God, the more we talk, the more I'm like, fuck, I screwed this up and I screwed that up. I made this mistake. No, no, no. I think I, I you know, I made another mistake. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, enjoying uh, talking about art with people. At first point, not, of course, because uh, it's for, for me, it's my in, <laughs> intimacy and the reason why I put it into the symbols is because I didn't want to tell it directly. <laughs> Yes, we use sure. metaphors because yes. we don't want to talk about that thing. Sure, sure. But I, I think that if you want to be really great artist, not only good artist, then the another part of your role is to be able to speak with people about it. I, I, I think it is like this because, and especially nowadays when you don't have good reporters there are no articles about contemporary art in newspapers, you know, and the curators, if you go to the exhibition, you read the text and you are, okay, so uh, I have, uh, I am educated in reading it and I'm, re- it's really hard for me. What about normal people who are reading it? And for normal people, it's like overwhelming. They, they are, you know, uh, uh, what is the world when uh, you feel like that somebody is really trying to make about you to be more about you pompous yeah something something yes 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 and um uh, so they don't feel very well the visitors about it and and, and this is the reason why the scissors are more and more opening about uh, the visitor and the author you know and they really want to connect they people want to connect and if, if there is no chance, there are no channels, uh, they will just ignore it. And why I'm telling it? Because I think that uh, if you want to uh, sell, uh, not like uh, in the three years waves, but like continually to be great artists, you need to be not only well known, but uh, also people really need to like your work, not for the subject, but for the understanding of it. They just don't want to feel, uh, be, you know, stupid when they see your work. They want to to be able to speak about it. I know. When I was a kid, I remember I grew up near the Smithsonian uh, Institution mm. in Washington, D.C. And I remember going into these exhibitions. Now, this is, you know, mind you, like what, early, mid-80s. You go yeah. in and there'd be this big plaque, like thing on the wall, but written by some curator that was using like 
massive intellectual words and referencing philosophy and Latin yeah. phrases and like all this yes. pompous stuff that I was just sort of like, what the fuck are they saying? And yes. these days there's this huge sort of balance. Like some people still adhere to that way of thinking that like the curator is supposed to be this arrogant, pompous person that's basically saying, I know more than you yeah. do. And so I'm going to use big words and big ideas that you don't understand because you're not supposed to understand them, but I do. And I'm going to show you how smart I am. Then on the other hand, there are a lot of places that are making the these statements and these curatorial sort of uh, texts and things more relatable. And, and I appreciate that. However, I have seen some that have dumbed them down so stupid that they're, it's like they're writing them for like fifth graders. And it's just like, okay, you don't need to say things like red is meant to represent passion. Like no shit. <laughs> like, we all know that. Like, come on. So, yes. I mean, there is there is a fine line, but like there was a yeah. long period of time where curators were thought to need to sort of prove their worth by writing these incredibly arrogant, intellectualized, yeah. academic bullshit to try and say, I'm smarter than you. And that's pretty much yeah. all it came down to. And as an academic who has written these kinds of things, I totally understand why they are horribly received by the public. Yes, 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 exactly. And, you know, these are just small, small parts. If working together, it would make, I think, like healthier market of art. Absolutely. Like I've seen some amazing work that I was turned off to because of some horribly arrogant text. Yeah. And vice versa, I've read some amazing text that the work didn't live up to. <laughs> so, yes, sure, sure. Works from both sides, yes. It really does. Like, So I'm not blaming curators and their texts, but I'm just saying that like, they need to be on some equal footing. Like, You can't over-intellectualize something that's really simple. Yes. And you can't simplify, oversimplify something that's very intellectual. It's, it's true, it's true. I'm really, you know, curious how the pandemic will change the art market, if it will, you know, affect it somehow or not, because I'm not sure, you know, there is probably a difference between Czech market and the world worldwide market, because Czech market is already almost dead. <laughs> Well, well, it's funny. I, I think about this quite a lot and I talk to people about it quite a lot, but like there, I think there's a difference between like blue chip investment art and the working artist. So like the blue chip Sotheby's, mm -hmm. you know, pay a you know, uh, serpentine gallery and all those kinds of games. It's not going to affect them at all. Like people will always need tax shelters and tax write-offs, and and they will always money launder through those those million dollar deals. But it's the the working artist. I wonder about coming out of this, like whether there will be more or less support for arts, or whether there will be more or less like uh, grants and residencies and opportunities for us. What I mean, a lot of galleries are going to be closing, so it's like you know, will there be less opportunities to exhibit? And quite honestly, to a certain extent, maybe that's good because maybe there's a bunch of shit galleries that should be closing anyways. 
And on the other hand, I know some very well-established, excellent galleries that have chosen to close at this time as well. So like, it's not just getting rid of shitty stuff. Sometimes you know, people just say like, it's an enough is enough, and they, and they just pan out. But it is interesting to see where it's going to go. I'm hopeful, but I'm always hopeful. I'm a, I'm a pessimistic optimist. No, I'm a yes, I'm a pessimistic optimist. I, I, I plan for the worst, but hope for the best. It's nice. And what do you what do you what do you think about the new fashion? I think in art, maybe it's the new uh, new me, you know, new new platform, new media, NFT. Yeah, I've talked about those in the past. Like, uh, basically, it comes down to at the moment, I feel like they are just a money laundering scheme, and I feel like the NFT market is basically. It's a cryptocurrency period that that they just said, oh, you know what we can do to make our cryptocurrency yeah. different from every other cryptocurrency? Let's just use artists. So we'll we'll put a little visual avatar to it and we'll make artists do work for free. And then we can, and well, no, not even free. We'll make them pay us for the right to create a thing. So we'll make money off of them all kinds of different ways. And our cryptocurrency will do better. So I, at the moment, I think I feel like it's not to the artist's advantage on the average artist's advantage. I mean, obviously, Beeple, he did really well. But like the average yeah. artist, I don't feel like it's some great, magnificent thing yet. Um, because I believe it's still run by corporations. And I believe it's run by, you know, cryptocurrency you know, big wigs and tech mm -hmm. people and all this kind of stuff. So I think if if the artists and people in the art world were a, like had a seat at the table with the, the the how it's structured and how it works and all this kind of stuff, I think that it could be potentially something really amazing. But at the moment, I believe it's just not to our advantage on average. I feel the I feel the same. I feel it's just a huge hype. I'm very weird. I have a very weird feeling about it. I'm not against new things, you know. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with it. But this uh, is uh, something I feel it's it's not going to work uh, like more than three or five years. I hope. Oh no! I, I think it'll continue to work, and it will always be a thing. But it's always going to be a thing for people who like cryptocurrency, yeah. like the. Yeah, for those people, for anybody who loves cryptocurrency, it's great because it make it gives it like a little pretty picture, so they don't just go like, "Oh, I've got this number." <laughs> That's it. Mm. So now they've got a picture to go with the representation of their number of value, and it's just an avatar. It's cute. It's fun. I mean, it has its place, and and like when they can find that way to make it actually more beneficial for artists, or at least so that there's some not feeling like we're just totally yes. being used for their benefit then yeah i'm all for it it's just not there yet mm. Mm. okay okay but Me yeah either. yeah i worry about the future <laughs> though always okay. i mean i love the amount of support that the european union and all this region gives to the arts like this is the thing is like you were raised in the czech republic do you like have you ever done grants and residencies and things like this no no but it's the reason is that i i i would want i want but uh, i always thought okay I, now is not the time i should stay here and produce things into my portfolio 
to because you know it, it sculptures it really takes time to just make the portfolio it takes you like 10 years it's it's like normal thing you know so i'm going to go to some residencies i'm really looking forward to it because i hope it will help me to make a better network with some uh, galleries abroad hopefully because the whole structure for me of like residencies and grants and you know governmental support and stuff in europe i think is phenomenal in comparison to america like i i hate the american capitalistic really? sort of cycle of art creation it, it it turns it too much of a commodity and not a, and doesn't focus on the ideas whereas the granting mm -hmm. system and the residency system is really sort of focused more on the conceptual side of things now don't get me wrong I kind of think Europe may have gone too far towards the conceptual and I think that the America has gone too far towards the capital and I would love to find some you know beautiful balance between them going back to shouting back to our desire for balance um, so the, there is a something in the middle and and uh, yeah because like I've seen a lot of shit art in Europe that is funded by some like I saw this one I couldn't believe it I went into an art gallery and somebody had literally just drug a dumpster in from the street and put it into the gallery and then taken all the trash out of it and put it on the ground. And this was funded by the government. And I'm like, wow, if that can get funded, mm -hmm. I should be yes. able to get funding. Yes, 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 yes. I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, this is the, the paradox of supporting art this in this way. You know, I have the same opinion about it as you have. Uh, I think it should be balanced more. And the, the way how it is supported here in European Union, or maybe for me, I know it more from the Czech side, there is uh, too much concept. And the concept has its really huge limits because not every idea is good idea, you know. <laughs> and the problem is if the form is missing, uh, then you have really just the this what you describe, and the pro it, it it makes the problem with the art market much more deeper because then the visitors or viewers just say, okay, what the fuck is this? So and why is it uh, why is it paid from our money, you know? <laughs> and that's that's a really extreme situation and the opposite in America I, I understand you that it's a too much uh, capitalistic way and it also doesn't work because I have seen it okay only once uh, I have been in Miami uh, with uh, when I was running uh, the dancing house gallery with the owners in the uh, art fair you know and in, in, in the in Miami, and uh, I have been speaking with a lot of artists there because they, they have been really into art, the, the owners. And uh, I saw it, uh, probably as, as you saw it uh, very closely, that it's very empty. It's just about like, uh, okay, working, working and waiting for my, my moment. And when it comes, then I will like in drugs for three years and uh, earning as much money as possible like <laughs> because i know it the, the flush uh, will go away you know and that's something i considered okay i don't want to leave this because uh, i wanna I, I prefer the european you know way when you grow slowly and surely not like uh, peak and down 
Well, that, that's to me, that's the way any artistic career. So even like, you know, you can do it like one hit wonders in musicians as well. Same kind of thing. Like they come and they, they peak with some amazing album and then basically they just continue mm-hmm. to play that same album the rest of their lives because they didn't, you know, they didn't just build a nice career out of it. Nice yes. slope to their, their you know, upward slope. It, it's hard because you you want that acclaim and respect and appreciation and whether it comes in peaks or whether it comes slowly over time, they're both difficult. <laughs> yes, sure, both difficult, exactly. And so when I was thinking about your topic, the, the topic of your podcast complexly, the days before uh, we met online here, I was thinking, okay, I chose my way uh, of uh, producing, uh, even though I'm not selling and I like it because I feel free. The only one thing I really needed to handle was the fear of uh, feeling unsuccessful. Because it's just just the feeling. Okay, I will produce. Maybe it will someday sell out or not. And who knows? But I need to say these things to the world. And uh, I know my art is somehow controversial for for people. And it always probably be because I'm not going to be formalist (laughs) at all. It is not my kind of art. And so uh, all thing I have to do is just to accept my way of being an artist and just go with it. Then that's that's all. There's nothing wrong with that. There are plenty of people who make incredible careers out of being provocative artists. Like, and just, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's learning your lane yeah. and embracing that. And that's it. So like, you're not, you're never going to please everybody, period. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. Maybe some people would like Thomas Kincaid or, exactly. or you know, some other really horrible artists like that, but generally you're not going to please everybody. So you just got to say like, okay, this is my lane and I'm going to do, I'm going to be yeah. there period. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just, you know, it's, it's my choice to continue in this way and that's all and my responsibility indeed well thank you very much for taking the time thank you very much for inviting me into this beautiful interview (laughs) thank you for listening all the way to the end of this conversation we would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends family co-workers even studio mates anyone with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Mickey at Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. Thanks, Pete. We all know how important funding for the arts is, so I'd like to show my appreciation for the EEA grants from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in their effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Czech Republic and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.